listening to Collecting Dead Man, where you'll learn all about my Undertaker. Oh, yes! Okay, welcome back, Creatures of the Night, as uh, we start a five-part journey with my friend Eamon Condon to take a look back at the WrestleManias that he has attended in person starting with Wrestlemania 29 and ending with Wrestlemania 34 to all hear You're his right to hear his first-hand accounts of these five very interesting and different Undertaker matches and we start off with one of my favorites the 21 and 0 Undertaker match that would be remembered for so many different things but for one of the things that will be remembered for is it is the true, in my opinion, main event of the night. It is the match most remembered of the night. And it is the match that will, in my opinion, is, I don't know, one of the best Undertaker matches in WrestleMania history. And I'm sure... Well, here's the thing, because I just, pardon my interruption, but we talked about this when we watched the end of the Mariners. Um, do you still stand by that? Because when we were, when we were rebooking... Mania 28 Yes. Do you still agree with that, or do you disagree? No, I Should still do. Taker been the main event of twenty nine. No, I still I still stand by what we said. It's just in my opinion, it's the main event of the night. It's the one that people most remember. It's the match I most remember of the night. Uh, so that's why I consider it a main event. Uh, you know what's so funny about this? Uh, CM Punk talks about in his uh, podcast he did with Colt Cabana. Um, you know, he had been fighting forever to be in the main event of Mania 29, like when he was still the champion, he was trying to convince Vince, turn it into a fucking freeway, make it a three-way elimination match. I can be eliminated in the first fucking five minutes. I don't give a fuck. At least I can say I made event at WrestleMania. And then you can have your precious little Roxena for the last, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And Vince wouldn't go for it. When Punk walks back through the curtain of Mania 29, both Vince and Pritchard <laughs> fucking say to uh, Punk, God damn, that should have been the main event. <laughs> and Punk screams at that, you better pay me like I did. And it ended up that he ended up not getting paid the same as everybody else. But like it's so ironic that he should have been the main event of this show. And, you know, they 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 just held it from him. And then when he finally gets to the match and he shows them that he should have been the main event, he walks through the curtain and they're like, damn, he should have closed. <laughs> like imagine that frustration if you've been convincing the owner of this company for months hey I need to be in your main event and he tells you no and then you walk through the curtain and he goes damn you should have closed my show <laughs> imagine how mad he must have been because that was like his biggest hang up like that he never was in the main event mm -hmm. um, but as we'll get to it um, and I know I've talked about it um, on a episode previously about CM Punk's thoughts on this match. I know recently he has, he considers this to be the main event of the show. 
Um, he he has a yeah. he has an urn on his um, I think it's a, in his collection to represent this match. So he does think very highly of this match and being in it with Undertaker. So that's always good to good to hear. I, I would imagine. Wait, he has an urn? He does. He has an urn. He said he... Is it the one from this match? Or? No, he, he apparently said that they uh, the warehouse would not give him one. Uh, so he went to a local funeral shop and bought an urn. To represent it. No shit! <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, he went to a local funeral parlor and bought an urn to represent <laughs> the match. You know that at the Mania Access they did at MetLife Stadium, that was the first and only access I ever went to, the one that did at MetLife Stadium. Okay. It was like in the arena, like with the ring set up and the stage set up. Sam Roberts does an interview with Punk about this match. And Punk goes, you know, there's no uh, retirement step. There's no bells and whistles. It's just, it's just like a match. Sam Roberts just cuts him off and goes, Thank God Paul Barry died, huh? <laughs> and Punk, Punk fucking pops, and Punk laughs at the table and just goes, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> the fact that Sam Roberts just goes, Thank God Paul Barry died, huh? <laughs> just. Wow. Yeah. And, dude, like, and I don't know if you knew about that, but it's on, and it's on this YouTube channel. Uh, you can watch the Punk interview where they're just sitting at the base of the Titan Tron fans are taking pictures on and Sam just says it to him so not so <laughs> Punk just pops for it. Uh, well, it well, Paul Bear would be proud to be a part of a WrestleMania storyline. I was going to say, I know that like a report came out that his, his kids were like really pissed about it. But like, no, Paul Bearer was, I I know Paul Bearer was smiling on yeah. all of that. As Undertaker has said that, Undertaker has said in interviews recently, uh, like last year, a couple years ago, about the accident about this match, that he was proud of this match, and that he was proud to incorporate Paul Bearer in it, because he would have been so happy to be there. So, yeah. Undertaker's words speak much, uh, much higher. Absolutely. But yes. no, Will Moody would have, uh, he would have been so proud of that. Yes, he would have. And like what they did, because they, that, talk about turning chicken shit into chicken salad, man. Like, talk about, you know, and they really did that. Like, they made a very, dare I say, they made the most emotionally, you know, yes, I w- story of the whole show. I was just going to say, it makes this match more emotional. And as you can see in the closing moments, as we'll get to it, you can see it in Undertaker's face, how emotional that this match can get to him. I think it was a combination of that with Paul and also just like, at that point, he was coming back once a year for like four years at that point. Yeah. I think it was also just accepting like, I can work once a year and they'll cheer louder for me than anybody on there that's there 365 like Cena you know Lesnar whoever like he, I, I think he was kind of like realizing in that moment like like whole like like almost like holy shit in a sense just like I feel like he was just kind of like taking in not for the first time but like in a more profound way like 
Because I think at that point in his career, there was a lot of like question marks, like where do I go from here? I don't think even Vince knew who he was going to work at Mania 30 at that point yet. So like, you know, the you know, in that moment when he's tearing up and he's paying tribute to Paul Bearer and he's now 21 and 0 and there's no, you know, set opponent for, you know, Mania 30 and like there's there's a lot of uncertainty toward, you know, the future of the streak. All he knows is that he can come back once a year and just on the streak value alone he can be the, the match of the night. And I think there was just so much, like, not only mourning Paul Bearer in those tears, but it was also, like, an appreciation of us being so just unrelentingly loyal to him. And, like, like I think it was almost like a bittersweet tearing up. I think it was both happy and sad. I think it was mourning Paul but also like beyond flabbergasted, for lack of a better term, of our just sheer loyalty to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and as we'll see um, in the promo package leading up to it, and you know as the match begins, you get to see all the different elements uh, of respect and so many cool things that uh, happen in between this match. Like you were talking off here about CM Punk's gear. We're going to be seeing the gray and the purple as an homage to The Undertaker. Uh, you get to see Undertaker's gear as an homage to Paul Bearer. Uh, so you got a lot of lot of really great elements in this match. Um, the entrance, for example, I cannot wait uh, to hear your first-hand accounts about uh, this match and what you were feeling and what you were seeing and everything like that. So if you're ready, I'm ready to begin. You ready to go? I, uh, I'm just making sure the tablet doesn't fall like that again. I don't know if you heard that thud. <laughs> but I'm just making sure this shit doesn't fall down. Uh, I'm, I'm ready, bro. Perfect. Perfect. Now, I gotta say, before we hit play, I have not, not seen the promo package for this since seeing it on the MetLife screens in 2013. So I actually don't remember it. Nice. Nice. So you have I to. It's in pieces of it. I know they showed the final segment on that like, Go Home Raw. Yeah. Where Paul, Bear's, or Paul Heyman is pretending to be Paul Bear. And then they do the whole, you know, wood, you know, chip shit. Uh, I know that's in there, but I don't remember the whole, like, structure of the promo. So it'll be cool to see it again after all this time. Awesome. Awesome. And you have to let me know your first hand accounts of what you remember uh, witnessing and feeling at the time. So uh, we are queued up. At 1 hour, 44 minutes, and 21 yeah. seconds on Peacock. And, and things have a funny way of, like, doing that to you. Like, it's almost like if you go into your if you go into your high school after 10 years of being there, and you walk through the hallway, you go through a certain corner of the hallway, a certain memory, just kind of, like, just come. It's almost like dreams, where, like, the, the memory of the dream is accessible but not available. Yeah. And so that you'll just be walking down, you know, Jewel Osco, and you'll see an orange, and you'll be like, it'll just take you back, you'll be like... That, that dream I have, and it'll just all come right back. And so, like, it, it's that sort of thing. It you is know, that, 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 like, accessible but not available information. So, I know that, like, once we turn this promo package on, like, a flood of memories will come back. I'm like, I remember when I said this, you know, in the MetLife, or like, oh, I remember when I saw this. Like, and this know, is, and that's exactly so what I, watching it, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. I can't wait to hear you. Your memories just come flooding back to you. Uh, I can't tell you the. Uh, I honestly can't tell you the last time I watched this match in its entirety. I watched 
like the big parts, like a lot after it happened, but like the full match beginning to end, I I don't remember the last time I did that. And oh. it's been at least at least seven years. Wow. It's been a long time. Great. So, so yeah, so we get the little bit of, of freshness in this match, so that's always cool. Um, so yeah, like I said, and one. Let's just remember Punk slapping Taker in the beginning, and then Taker going for the outside dive, mm-hmm. and then pretty much the combination of Punk doing the outside dive onto the table where he destroys his knee, going into the uh, Anaconda Vice where Taker sits up, mm-hmm. and they do that whole you know rigmarole into the finish. Uh, that's all I pretty much remember. So like, there's a solid like 13 minutes of work that I just don't like at all remember. So like, I'm really like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty excited to watch this back. Awesome. There's a lot of shit I just don't remember. Awesome. Love it when you're excited to watch it back. Um, I'm ready for it. One hour forty four twenty one, and we are ready in three, two, one, play. Can you hear my TV or do you want me to turn it down? Uh, you could turn it down a couple more. I think that'd be yeah. good. My phone is the motherfucker. <laughs> What's crazy is that that urn looks so much like the urn that's an emoji on iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. I use that fucking urn emoji for everything other figure because it looks so much like that <laughs> one right there. It does. It really does. The three lines and the fucking like perfect like it looks just like the urn that's on iOS. Mm-hmm. Like I vividly remember watching this live. Vividly remember it. You're lost. Oh I did too. I remember watching this live. I gotta tell you, I hated that stage, that Titan Charm. I hated that stage. The Raw stage? I mean, that was the SmackDown stage, too. Yeah, that curved one. That stage, like, it was just the WWE Titan Charm. Yeah. From Raw 1000 until, like, mid-2016. Wow. Um, I never liked it, honestly. Uh, that's the one thing that made me okay with Probably my least favorite one in all the ones they did. 
If it was to smack down the stage and I missed out, I'd be killing myself. <laughs> I'd be flat out killing myself. But for that Titan Tron, I, I don't lose a fucking wink of sleep. Uh, and this this feud this feud is just classic um, Undertaker, you know, stealing of the urn, disrespecting Paul Bearer and that legacy. It's it's classic stuff that they would do like during the nineties. Uh, if you remember, like when they would steal his urn, try and get his power. It this is this this feud this feud this match is just bless you. It's just it's just classic. It's classic Undertaker. Um, Feuds and I and that's another thing. I just love about this. It just brings back like that classic um, Time period of the Undertaker's career Like WWF style sort of stuff like mankind and Paul Bear betraying Undertaker and like Jake the Snake getting one up on Taker and his you know casket talk show. Yeah, it didn't have that feel. Yeah Yeah, Bro, this, this was worth the price of my fucking admission ticket right here the only song that you and almost all the country know of theirs. The cult of personality. Dude, like, that was my alarm in high school growing up, was cult of personality. Like, my sisters and my mom resented this song. Six in the morning, they hear this. <laughs> and the first thing they hear, look at my and I was a deep sleeper, so like they would hear that shit leaning through the walls in my room, and they'd come in the room and fucking kick the fucking bed to wake me up. Like, see him punk. fucking traumatized them. So like when it played, and my mom heard it next to me, like in the venue, she was mad. She was like, "Fuck this shit!" And I was like, "This song's the shit, man. What are you talking about?" And this stage, man, I'll never get over this stage set up. Because like I said, like, I told you in a podcast we did before, they would always to the stage just do a stage set up where it's just all LED screens. So like it was so Oh, it's, it's beautiful. I love the stage with the uh, the Statue of Liberty and everything. The bridge. And an Empire State Building, you have the Statue of Liberty, as you said, overlooking the, uh, the what would you call it? The... Uh, what do you call that thing? The the canopy? Not even what's the word for it? There's a specific word for it, I can't think of it. Oh, I wanna say pavilion, but that's not even What do you call that? If you're buying that somewhere. People buy that chick with tailgates. It's like a fucking tent that has just four legs on it. They can set up for like a booth or something outside. There's a word for that. Yeah, there is. I can't think of it. I can't think of it either. But I just love. Whatever lo you would call that. It's yeah. That. I just lo I love everything. I love everything about the stage setup. It it's it's like, it's it's like a classic WWE stage. How they would go all out for those pay per views, just have them be different. And even in this, like you said, this time of LEDs and HD Canopy. is. Canopy. Sorry, that's what it's called, the canopy. Okay. Oh, canopy. Uh, sorry, canopy. Uh, so yeah, you have to set your movie on top of the canopy. I'm sorry, as you were saying. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just like, it looks like a classic WWE stage they would do before the LEDs and HD time. That's what pissed me off. 
too. Like, I miss seeing No Mercy 2007 at Allstate Arena. And that was the last time they did, like, one of those, like, retro, ruthless aggression era stages where it had, like, a smoke LED screen at the bottom mm-hmm. they'd walk out of, and everything else was, like, a, like a actual, like, prop that got lit up. You know what I mean? And No Mercy was the last one of those sort of shows because after that, in 2008, they went into their fucking, like, HD mode. I remember. The whole stage turned into LED panels. Um, I don't know why that happened to me. I literally picked up an iPhone to Google what that word was, and it asked It just, I didn't even Google it. I literally went into the home screen, and then the word just hit me. I was like, Kennedy, Kennedy, there it is. Oh shit, here we go. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite entrances of his. And this is probably my favorite one I saw of his live, for sure. Well, how, how, how did it look to you live? Weird. Yeah. Because I was up in the 300 section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, the production cameras are really good at cutting out production people running onto the stage and ripping off all those panels of the stage to mm-hmm. open it up. So, like, we could see them doing that shit as Punk was walking down the ramp. So we were wondering, like, why are you ripping up half the stage floor? Um, when he made the walk, when you could see it on the video screen in the arena, like, as you see right here, mm-hmm. when you could see it this way on the screen, it looked really cool. From your seat, it looked kind of weird. I get you that, yeah. See, I would, you would have a you could see the way the holes looked. It looked like this weird shape. You could see the guys like kind of leaning out. It didn't look the way it does on the screen. So it was weird. Yeah. But it was cool. It was cool, but it was weird. Like I was like trying to make sense of it. Yeah. Because I was sitting like 150 feet, 200 feet above them. So like, like I was like trying to make sense of what I was seeing. Because I'm near sitting. I'm not far sighted. It's all like what like what are they doing and like when the light like when the big white spotlight you know shone throughout the hall it was kind of hard to see anything and so i was pretty much just looking at the screens and then when i could see like what you would see on the production setting i could see what they were going for and i was like that's really cool i could see what they were going for because if you look right there you can see it in the right hand corner of your screen. You can see the nut light screen right there. Mm-hmm. See how half of it's on and half of it isn't? Yeah. So, so you see that? Mm-hmm. The other half is going to be that match part that I was telling you about. Take your own. And then the other half of the screen is just what you're seeing live. And so we would watch that screen from our seats to kind of see what people at home were seeing. But from where we were sitting, the shit looked kind of weird. And at this point, you can't see it because Taker is blocking it with his body. But at this point, there's like 30 different production people with black on the stage putting the stage spots back together. But Taker is blocking it, obviously, with his body. They they have a very good way of hiding the smoke and mirrors with their production crew. when you're there live, it's weird because you can see. Of course. What the productive people are doing. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker and his Assassin's Creed jacket, as I always like to call next it. To the, uh, next to the guy who's always wearing the green t shirt with the smiley face on it. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Next to him, did you notice who's next to him in the front row? Let me see. Is I don't think I need to tell you who it is. I think you know who it is. Is it going to be Black? Uh, all I'd say is he's in the front row. Who else would be in the front row? <laughs> is it going to be Black Lesnar guy? Oh, how'd I know? Undertaker's got his game face on. He's ready for this match. Mike Yoda has his fucking game face on. Mike Yoda was the only fucking dirty rap that had a fucking elbow pad out. <laughs> I love Mike Yoda, man. He took that shit so serious. I oh, loved him. Me too. There was the slap. And now Punk running out. No, but Mike had a count that was unlike anybody else. That the way he hit the mat. And the way his arms spun in a perfect circle, like, he brought such an energy to his record. I love Mike Yoda, man. Mike's my favorite rep, so I love that he was repping this match. Oh, Taker's got him. And he ducks. You're right. I never noticed that until you said that. Because when you were doing your introduction on this match, you said that Taker's gear made a tribute to Paul Bear. Yeah. And I just noticed the R.I.P.P.B. on his urn on his left side. I, I never noticed that. Really? I gave you something that you didn't realize. I feel proud. <laughs> but no, I never noticed it. I never noticed that. Yeah, so we got under. We got Undertaker wearing Paul Bearer tribute gear. We got Punk wearing Undertaker tribute gear. It's more like Undertaker mind game gear, but yeah, in a sense, it's a tribute. Fucking Lillian Garcia sitting in the corner there in a down coat is how fucking freezing it is out there. I was there, dude. Oh. Was uh, you said you were in the three hundreds? Was any of your view obscured from looking down at this? Was it obscured? No, because we were in the. Uh, if you go and look on my Instagram after this, my very very first post is where we were sitting. Um, we were smack in the center. Oh, okay, great. Right above, right above the hard thing. Okay. So, like, if you're looking right now with the view of the camera here, we're taking a and putting him into the post. Mm-hmm. Now the camera's gonna show Taker. We're right above it. Oh wow! Smack center. So we're looking right down at the ring. We're looking at the screen above the ring, and we're looking at both of the corner screen. Nice. Okay. Cool. Like, 
and we didn't even have to look at the screens. Like, we could see everything from our seat. We had a great view. Yeah. We were up high, too. And, like, we had a great view. We could see everything. I was really happy with our seats. Yeah, that's awesome. Here comes that life drop, man. Ah, uh, nobody does it better. Nobody, man. And the whole setup, too. Yeah. <laughs> and this was... And, um... In the promo leading up to this, and even as the commentators are talking about, you know, Punk will take that disqualification win. This was like the first streak match that Undertaker said that he doesn't care about it. That he said, you know, a streak may die, but you will never live to tell about it. Like, he didn't care. He just... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that was a testament to how much Paul meant to him. Like, yeah. I will lose the streak if it means I beat the living shit out of you. Exactly. In honor of Paul. Like, I loved the story in this. Mm-hmm. He fought, uh, he fought, he cared more about Paul Bear and uh, protecting Paul's legacy than caring about his own match. Like, if, he, if Punk wants to get him, de- wants to get on take or DQ, fine. He'll take the loss. But he's going to beat the shit out of him so he doesn't talk about it. And the way Punk says in the build-up, like, you get DQ'd or counted out, it's the, I love that. He uh, says, if you get DQ'd or counted out, it's still a loss. And another thing I love about Punk, most wrestlers, when they're in the old school, they'll just stand there and kind of take it. Punk, as Taker was setting up his arm, with his other free arm, he was trying to smack Taker from his knees. Like, he was on his knees and still trying to get at Taker's. Like, just the realism of his fighting. Like, he tries to make it like a real fight. Like, what would you do if this was a real fight? You wouldn't just sit there and let Taker twist your arm. Yeah. 360 degrees. And try to get out of it. And as we're going to be seeing here soon, uh, Punk, the ultimate disrespect. Stealing The Undertaker's old school move. But there goes to my point. Taker at no point. Slash Punk tries to get out of it. He just lets it happen. I hated the way he sold it too. The way he leaned on the top rope and just sit, like that. The way with the way he made that face. I thought the way he sold the old school was like real shit. The way Punk rolled into that and the lock that DDT is really cool. See that? Or not that uh, DDT? Excuse me, that reverse neck breaker. Hits a fucking reverse neck breaker and then just rolls into a fucking clean The best pure striker. Every one of those blows, I believe he went Undertaker. Undertaker. Me 
Undertaker in and landed awkwardly. It's really such a great match already so far. He's always trying to pin him after, you know, certain moves, you know, he's not trying to go for any type of big moves right now and pinning him. Ironically enough, the one time he goes to the go to sleep, that's the only move Taker knows. Taker bounces off the rope, turns into a fucking cornstone. I love that sequence though. It's such a good sequence. I honestly, I, there should have been one GTS that take that pick that actually like connected. I that like to me that like completely like completely like devalued his finish. Like turned it to nothing, like turned it to not even a signature move. Like it was so ineffective that Taker just turned it into a juice couple. I thought that spot turned Punk's finish into a fucking spit. But um uh, when Punk kicked out of the tombstone, though, that was awesome. Oh! I remember that he went for another old school. Yeah. Yeah, this is what sets it up. You hear a call saying you gotta get up. I know what he's thinking. You gotta get up. I was losing my shit here. Because I thought he was gonna do it. Oh my god, I know. I was screaming at my mom. He's gonna jump. He's gonna jump. And then right before it happened. And then right before it happened, it just didn't happen. Oh, I know. I remember being so disappointed. I wanted that jump. Right before he jumped, like he just did. And right before he jumped, he just did. Mm -hmm. 
I swear, I'm getting the power from I know, right? I swear, Undertaker must have thought something of Punk to have him do that old school almost twice. He doesn't let almost anybody do that move. Yeah, he's always said good I things. Of, oh my! Yeah, I know. He said always said good things. Of, call right before Punk hits the mat when Punk when Taker grabs him and they go up. Right as Punk goes up, he hears Jay Lawler yell, "Oh my!" <laughs> right before the slam. I obviously didn't hear it live because when I was there, I couldn't hear the commentators. Yeah, you can't hear commentators live. When I went back and watched it, like in the DVD version. I went back and watched it to hear like what the fans heard, and uh, you always had that like curiosity about you. Yeah, yeah. You'll like you'll be there live, and then you'll be like, I wonder how the commentators call that voice, because you want to go back and watch it. Now mm-hmm. with me on the flight back home from uh, New York to Chicago, I was watching this back from the like the actual professional perspective and listening to what the commentators were calling. Because like I said, when you're there live, you actually don't hear it. Um, what's so refreshing, too, is when you look at that stage behind them, nothing is moving. You know what I mean? Today, all the LED screens move and have like a flashing graphic on mm-hmm. Like, this stage is completely stationary. Yeah. It's the bridge and the state building and the video screens. And the video screens are set to a skyline at night, and it doesn't move, it doesn't change. And so, like, it doesn't take away from the attention of what's going on. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, to this day, the stage, like, at Mania 33, the ultimate thrill ride, that fucking scaffold that looked to be a roller coaster, it had LED lights on it that looked like a car going up the hill and then doing a drop, like... That would take anybody away from the match. You'd be watching the fucking locks on the stage for fucking 10 minutes. And so I appreciate that in this show, this is before Vince gets so like addicted to LEDs and shit. The stage is, as you can see right there, it's completely stationary. It has its lights on it, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, because it's serving a purpose to be an actual backdrop. You're not supposed to pay attention to that. Exactly, exactly. You said it perfectly, exactly. Not supposed to be looking at that. You gotta be paying attention to what's going on in the ring. But as Jim Cornette calls it today, it's fucking Disney on parade. And so they don't give a fuck if you're watching what's going on in the ring. Um, you see that girl right there in the neon hoodie in the front row? Yeah. That's the same chick whose third row at Mania 25 
next to the guy who's wearing the basketball jersey, and it's the same girl who's sitting next to that same dude in the front row at Mania 26 that we always talk about. Oh, wow. The same, like, three, four people that are there for those sacred matches, same chick, right there in the hoodie. Wow, didn't even notice that. She's not with the dude who's in the basketball jersey. I don't know if they were ever up there or not, or if they were ever together or not, or if they were just coincidentally there. Um, but she's there in the front row for this. Last time I ever saw her front row at a mania was mania 31. She's in the front row there too. So like when Seth Rollins hits the third stop on Lesnar and then looks outside the ring to make sure Roman doesn't get up, you can see her right there screaming at Seth to turn around and pin Rock. And you can hear her. You can hear her voice. You can hear what she's saying. You can hear like <laughs> from her. So. Bro, he destroyed his knee on that one move. Destroyed his meniscus, his fucking ACL, his fucking, like, he destroyed everything. If you listen to his uh, his pipe bomb with Copacabana, he destroyed everything in his knee because he thought that was the only way he could get tested. So he did it on purpose. Like, he fucking committed suicide in this match. To get time off. Like, think about that. <laughs> but in today's WWE, it's Becky Lynch asked for time off to go have a kid. It's like, you got it now. But in, in fucking Punk's day and age, he had to fucking destroy his knee to get time off. And here's Paul yelling at Punk do anything you have to do. Paul Heyman always intertwined in Undertaker's career. Whether he was Paulie Dangerous with the fucking telephone, walking out with me, Mark Callis, or whether he was fucking, oh, this is, oh shit, this is where it gets good, man. Punk, to this day, I think was the one and only one to turn a Hell's Gate into a pit. Right there. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. He's the only one who turned into a pin. Oh, here comes one of my his his my my one of my favorite spots coming up. Bro, I made this a meme on my Instagram and my TikTok. Right when Punk, right when Taker sits up, they're staring at each other. It's perfect. To black and white, and you just hear a voice go. It was in this moment that he knew he fucked up. It's perfect. I made this meme on my fucking, uh, on my Instagram and my TikTok. Here. Yeah. False screaming tap right there. One. Here we go. Perfect. Look at that spot, man. That's amazing. It is. And Pump knew he fucked up. Going for the choke slam. Here we go. <laughs> He's got to take her up. No selling the GTS. Man, into the fastest ever given tombstone. And punk! And punk! And punk! Dude, watch that replay. Punk had. Dude, look at me. Punk 
had that much time to get ready. Look at Takers. Look, like, dude, that's the fastest ever given tombstone I think I've ever seen. Like, he barely set Punk up before he dropped to his knees. Not to say he was not, like, being a protective worker, but, like, that was the fastest tombstone I've ever seen given. They probably, they probably, uh, they may have practiced that. They may have, but like, yeah. even still, dude, that's way too risky to, to just try. Like, he did that so fast. I remember seeing well, that's, that's so effortlessly, that's, you know, what else can you ask for? Tombstone from out of nowhere! <laughs> <laughs> I remember asking my mom, like, I remember saying to her mom, like, he did that way too fast. That's the first time Michael Cole says it right there. Michael Cole just said right there, how does Hager do this year after year after year? And when Taker wins the match, that's the first thing Michael Cole says after can you say 21-0. He yells year after year after year. Kyoto's down. Kyoto's always down. <laughs> this is my favorite spot of the whole match, though. This is my favorite spot of the whole match. The urn. Goes for the last ride into Paul. Like, Paul Hayden's bug eyes giving him the urn. Look at Paul when he hands him the urn. I know. Everything. The bug eyes, like everything. This was amazing. I thought this was it. I thought this was it. How it was going to end. Perfect. No, I knew it wasn't over yeah, but it was it was a good spot. It was a great spot. But everybody getting up here in the front row, like it was actually over. I was like, come on, lay it off. Like, well, you know me. You you know me. I I'm always like on edge at this time. I was like, oh shit. Keep in mind though, the year prior, Taker kicked out of a sweet chin music and like three pedigrees. So like, I didn't think this was the end. Now, hang on. I'm only turning up my volume just for this. Here it comes. Here it comes. Listen to this swarm that I was a part of. Right here. It was indescribable. You didn't hear it. Yeah. It was, it was indescribable. This is—I love that reversal. Yeah. The way, Taylor, the way Punk just spins like a full fucking wheel. This is great reversals. The whole reversal sequence, back and forth as though, as Michael says. Tombstone. Can you say twenty-one? And for the last time ever, The Undertaker is perfect at WrestleMania. But we didn't know we were there at this moment. <laughs> I'll just tell you right now. Because this was the only time I was there for this. Yeah. the last time it ever happened. 
WrestleMania 32, obviously. There, and I was there when he won at WrestleMania 34. Nothing compared to when he won. But when it matters, like, there was this. Hard to describe, dude. There was this. I know. There was this magic. Like, there was this, like. And I think you just you just described it perfectly. It was magic. There was this. There was this larger than life. Larger than like like. Can't even put in the words. There yeah. was just this like. There was just this aura, this vibe that like completely encapsulated the stadium, and in that moment. I wholeheartedly believe I was going to see this for the rest of the world. In that moment, I believe this man was not of our species. Like, in that moment, I believe he, he is not stop. He is not of this world. In that moment, you really believe, like, you believe. This man can't stop. Like, you're going to see him do this every year. And this moment right here, I remember just looking at the screen and seeing this and just being like, he's trying. Like, this is the most skillfully, the most powerful moment in WrestleMania history. This. Nearly in front of Paul's urn. And Michael Cole saying the errors come home. The Undertaker is 21 years old. This to me is the most powerful moment in all WrestleMania history. More powerful than Hogan slamming Andre. More powerful than Rock and Hogan. More powerful than anything that's ever happened in Navy history. It's that one moment. Bigger kneeling in front of Paul Hurd. That took almost 25 years to build to. Mm -hmm. What you're looking at right now, this camera angle zooming out, that's in my exact view. Oh, wow. That's where I was smack middle 300, right there. I can see the ring. I can see the screen to 21 to know. I can see all the corner screens. Like, oh, perfect. Like, it was like perfect. I my spot with I was directly above the park there, but like 250 years. Like, for how perfect. Like, if you're a lifelong Undertaker fan, and this guy, like, was your childhood, how perfect to have this moment be the first time you finally get to see him on the grand stage. Couldn't have asked for better. You really couldn't. Right. You couldn't ask for better. Him walk up the stage with the urn in his hand. With my lucky number on all the screens. And that when look he turns, back. He looks at you, man. When he turns and he looks at you. That's it. And Orange with a sweet, sweet heat. Wendy's new hot honey chicken biscuit and sandwich. Marvel, so marvelous. Oh shit, I'm not a new sandwich. 
Um, so, any other, any closing thoughts, memories you want to discuss before we wrap this up? Anything come to your mind? Any other experiences you wanted to talk about? Um, or do you think you said it all? I told you, I remember that my, I remember that, you know, my mom was rooting for Taker and I was rooting for Punk. Uh, what do I remember the most? Where I remember the most from this was, I would say it's definitely when, what I, what I remember the most is definitely just how I felt in that moment when I could see on the screen that Taker was crying. Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw that for the first time, I remember just being like, like, I remember my, my, my mom thinking it was like, in an R speak, a work. Like, I remember her thinking like it wasn't like real or anything, but for me, like, I knew like, that was him kind of like gleaming out of his character. And, uh, it was just, I, I think that to me was the most profound thing. Like, was just seeing on the screen, like, Undertaker getting emotional. Um, I think also what I remember the most is just the like, the the almost pleasant uncertainty of what the future held for the streak. Like it was like, like imagine watching Taker, you know, raise his fist and then walk through the curtain, and you sit down, and now you're watching you know, Triple H and Lesnar, and then you're watching Cena and Rock. Then you have a whole year of wrestling that you watch the whole time. You don't know that the streak is going to imminently die. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that that feeling, I think I remember the most, like that, that excitement of like, like, like as soon as his fist went in the air and the lights went out and he left, I remember all I could do was just sit there and just go, who's next? Like, I remember just being so pumped for Mania 30 and not even in the slightest thinking the streak was in jeopardy yet. Just, I remember just watching the streak be celebrated then. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that, at that time, I would say now thinking, but at that time, no way that I was going to have another three, four, five, six, seven, who knows how many, you know, street celebrations to see live. And it's kind of humbling, you know, when you see that one and you think you're going to see another, you know, four, five, six, seven, and that ends up being the only one you ever see. Yeah. It, it becomes very humbling where you're like, holy shit, okay, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, you know, to this day, like, I'm over the moon grateful that I was in the building for that. And, you know, like, like, like so I would say to you, like, as a joke, like, imagine I was in the building from my first ever Mania, and it was Mania 30. And I was there for Taker. You know what I mean? Like, imagine that was my first time. You guys can yeah. cuss, like, what, six, seven minutes in? Yeah, but at least you at least you were there for your first one where he, you know, it's the final streak match. So, 
it's it's a little better there for mania 13 it was like it was his like i guess last streak match but like not really because he didn't win um yeah i mean that would be that would be devastating but uh you know no i mean i'm definitely you know even to the day, like i just sit here and just try to like just tell myself like like even to this day, I don't think I deserved <laughs> to be there, but it was, you know, it's something I'm incredibly grateful for, and it's something nobody can take away from me, and it's just, you know, it's like, it's just a moment that, like, you know, the, the whole thing induction, you know, kind of puts a period on it, like, you know, it was, you know, even when the streak died, there was no period on, like, well, does that mean he's not gonna wrestle again? Like I remember people still asking, like with a question mark, like, "Well, the streak died. Like, does that mean done? Or like, can I still see him?" And so, like, you know, even like when it became a thing, like we're in 2015. You know, only work maybe 31, but then he does, you know, SummerSlam and then Hell in a Cell and then Survivor Series. Like he worked a lot in 2015. And so, like, when you start seeing that shit, you start thinking, like, maybe he's not. Like, like maybe I'm going to see him, like, four times a year. Maybe I'll see him three times a year. And then it just, you know, it turns into what it is. But you just have that kind of, like, it, it's hard to describe, but you have that, like, feeling when you just see him year after year after year after year where you're just like, it's just not going to end. And so when you finally have the announcement that you do of the Hall of Fame induction, it just puts that, like, ultimate period on it. Now, I'll tell you something I have never told anybody. I think there is room for one last match. Hear me out. I think, I think they can do the Hall of Fame on Friday, I think on Saturday, they can have everybody walk out in their suits and all that shit on the carpet as they do, stand on the stage and wave, have Taker do that too. Night two, you have chicken shit heel come out <laughs> with a ref in the ring and challenge anybody past or present. Yeah. And stand there and say, there's nobody in the past in the present, even in the future, who can go on? Lights go out. Just because you're in the Hall of Fame doesn't... One yeah. last Mania 34-esque match. Heel doesn't get a single... Like, fucking... Let Austin Theory do it. I don't give a fuck. Anybody. Just have some fucking chicken shit good for nothing heel stand there and take a snake eyes, a leg drop, a tombstone, a chokeslam, a last ride for two and a half minutes. Give me one final gong. Give me one final entrance. One final moment. One final knee, thunder, pyro, everything. Walk up the stage, turn, fist in the air, walk away. You do that on night two? After a night one Hall of Fame, I will completely walk away and never beg for anything else. But if you just do the Hall of Fame and nothing else, you're missing out on one final moment. And you know you are. Yeah. 
they really are and I I I'm right there with you. I can only hope for the best. I always you know, just because you're in the Hall of Fame, you know, doesn't mean you're not required to never fight again. You know, look at Edge, look at Goldberg, look at so many other people that are in the Hall of Fame and come back to fight. So doesn't mean it's and the end. Somebody made a note on my uh, Instagram saying that. They, yeah. They commented on my, my reaction to take your going to the Hall of Fame saying, well, you know, hang on. You know, yeah. Goldberg's in the Hall of Fame and so is Edge, but they still wrestle. Yeah. And my response to that was true, but Taker's not going to do that. And I mean, he's not. We know Taker. He's not going to do that. Um, he's either going to give you all he's got or he's going to just, you know, walk away. And so I think the only chance we have left of Taker is one final on night two. So, like, I think night one, he does his Hall of Fame shit. Night two, we get one final. Even if he fucking rides down on a fucking motorcycle. Like, I don't care. Give me something <laughs> to say goodbye to. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, and I really hope. I really hope they do. I, I'm. I'm always hoping for that last match. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. We are on the road to WrestleMania, and there's no better way to get there than taking a look back at what we are doing now. Your the ones that you have witnessed in person, your first-hand accounts. Um, you know, we started off with one of the best matches with CM Punk, and next time. When we rejoin, it would be the end of the streak. Uh, Brock Lesnar, New Orleans, Louisiana, WrestleMania 30, 2014. Uh, 21-1 at WrestleMania. And um, I'm looking forward to hear your first-hand accounts of being there. Uh, your memories, your thoughts, your reactions, everything like that. Um, I'll be sure to talk about mine. Um especially watching it live at home and everything like that so that is definitely something um you know not a match i'm looking forward to watching back but definitely uh, something i'm not either i haven't watched that i don't think i've ever watched it back since seeing it live yeah ever. um you think that was you think that was supposed to happen or do you think that was the case of brock doing what brock wants to do no it was supposed to happen i think really yeah I still don't think that was supposed to happen. No. No, it's just... Oh, I, still, I still feel like I was Brock going into the business myself. I, I really do. No, it's just... Um, I've heard I've heard reports that Lesnar didn't want to break it. That, uh, that there was reports of him talking to Vince, trying to have him not win. That's why Vince kept going back and forth with the ending. Uh, so... We shall see. We'll talk about that Dude, next time. If it was the plan for him to win, the music would have played when he hit the Like, I was there, dude, for a solid minute. Nothing happened. When that pin happened, the bell didn't even ring. That's edited in. That audio is edited in. I was there live. Bell didn't ring. No music hit. Nobody even made a fucking announcement. There was, like, a solid... 45 seconds that went by before Justin Roberts went, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this match, Brock Lesnar! And there was another 15 seconds of just silence, and then, dum, 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 dum. Like, there was just, there was just way too much just silence and just stalling and just nothing going on. That, like, and just the flow of the match, like, just Taker was fucking out of it. Like, you just, 
like nobody, especially after what Paul Heyman said in his Inside the Ropes interview, like you just can't convince me that wasn't a work or, or a shoot. Like I, I, I don't think the streak was ever supposed to die. And at that point, Vince was high as fuck on Roman Reigns, as we know. This was like this was right before the Shield split. This was 2014, April 2014. Vince was high as fuck on Roman. Vince sitting there saying on the Stone Cold podcast that there was nobody, there was nobody that could credibly beat the streak. Bullshit. Bullshit. He knew he wanted Roman to beat the streak. Lesnar took it. Like, like, I, Lesnar took it. Lesnar took the streak. It was supposed to be Roman. Lesnar took it. Vince is trying to play it off. Like, nobody's ever going to convince me of otherwise. It was like, the streak was stolen by Brock Lesnar. Because Brock does what Brock wants to do. <laughs> That's just my opinion, but I, I don't think that that And we'll be. never know. We'll never know. There's no, always, we'll there's always going to be I theories. Even teasing everybody is not a help at all. Uh, at all, at all. But I, uh, no, and, and when he says, like, the referee's not one of them, the camera guy's not one of them, the timekeeper's not one of them, talking about who knew what happened, and he goes, I know what happened that night. Undertaker knows what happened that night. Brock Lesnar knows what happened that night. Like, when he says that, it's like, like, you just, and maybe he's just, like, trying to, like, trick you into thinking it was a, a work, but, I mean, just, there was way too much, like I said, I would say a lot, like, there was way too much non, like, the movie is, like, one of the most, like, professionally produced things in, in, in history, not even wrestling history, just history, like, they're one of the most professionally produced things ever, if the street dying was supposed to happen, Lesnar's music would have hit right then, Nasser would have made an announcement right then, nobody said shit, for almost a minute, it was just silence, and the fans trying to figure out what they just saw. Like it was like I, I, I don't. For me, I'll never be able to think it was anything other than Lesnar taking it for himself. And like I said, we'll never know. This is something to discuss. For, we'll discuss further next time we meet. You know, can't gotta save more and see if I can see if I can help convince you.
But it makes me glad that he did. Because <laughs> I know that without it, it would probably be the big dog Roman doing it. You would hear the Michael Cole in the headset yelling, The big dog Roman Reigns! Well, plenty to what unpack. I didn't know you said that you thought it was like planned for it to end, but like, did you think Lesnar was the right guy to do it? Or did you think it should have been someone else? And... If you thought it should have been someone else, who? Oh, no, I never wanted it to end. No? Oh, no. Okay. No. If so. it was going to end, who would you have picked for it to have ended? Besides Lesnar. I... And really? what mania? Just, just, just fantasy booking. Who would you have had break it and at what mania and under what circumstances? Uh, probably this, probably the Roman Reigns we have now. And probably, I'm trying to think, what even mania would he, what, what match would he be on? If it was Tribal Chief Roman, I mean. 22, 23. Do you turn him during the match or do you have him be a heel going into it? Probably going, probably a heel going into it. Probably have Lesnar eat. I uh, probably have Lesnar. Probably have Reigns do what he's doing now, going through all like these different people, and have Undertaker be like one of the final bosses he has to conquer. That's what I do. That's what I wanted. I wanted Taker's retirement match to be here at AT and T Stadium against Tribal Chief Roman. That's I would. That, that was what I wanted. And I probably would have had it be this Mania, the the thirty eight. I want to take her to come back and then this promo say to Roman, pointing at him, say, This is not the man I left my yard to. And he comes back and says, I come for your championship. I come back for my yard. And I come for your soul. There! Sets up the match right there. Roman beats him badly. Taker's out. Roman's like the new like that. That's how I wanted Taker's fucking career at this point to end. But it's clear at this point we're not gonna get anything other than the speech. Um, do you think Taker's gonna be the only? Because obviously this is gonna be an induction that's on after SmackDown. Yes, this is what I always I only hoped. I only hoped that he would be the only one. That's what I'm saying. It's from ten thirty to midnight. Like. How the fuck do you think you're going to put five people in their speeches in one fucking yeah. show? So I had a feeling... Do you think this is going to be Taker? Well, I, I don't even think it should be, but do you think it will be? That's yeah, the uh, because the timing. Usually they announce Hall of Fame people like around Royal Rumble time, but they took their sweet time in doing it like the middle of February. But they still got like four weeks to announce another you know, two or three entrants. Yeah, but... Do you think they will, or will it be all about? I think it should. And I, who do you think is going to induct them? Because I was listening to Jim Cornette's podcast, and his only predictions were: uh, Brian last said, "What up, Vince?" And Jim Cornette went, "No, Vince won't do it. Vince won't do it." He thinks that he thinks it's a joke. When Brian last said, "What about Bruce Pritchard?" He laughed his ass off. He's like, "No, it's not going to be Pritchard." It's got to be. Uh, I I want it to be Vince. It's got to be Vince. It's, he thinks it's going to be. He thinks it's either going to be Kane or Mick Foley. And I think Mick Foley is honestly a, a real contender. Um, do I think it's going to be Vince? 
I would say no if he didn't do the in the Thunderdome when they did the Taker farewell. Vince was the last one to you know say something and kind of you know introduce him before he did the entrance. Um, it may be Vince, but like I know that his golden reel rule has always been with Hall of Fame that he does not want to be recognized. He doesn't want to be honored. He so, he he inducted Stone Cold, so anything's possible. Was he the one who inducted Stone Cold? He inducted Stone Cold. No shit. No shit. I didn't know that. Okay. Um. Or I just didn't remember it off the top of my head. Um. I I, I guess it's plausible then. Um. I just um. Hang on one second. Um. I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed to Triple H. I don't know how Triple H feels. I wouldn't be opposed to Triple H inducting him. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to Kane. I wouldn't be opposed to Foley. I wouldn't be opposed to Austin. But I think it's, it should be Vince. It's not gonna be Austin. No, if, it, if it's gonna be any of his past rivals, it would be. It's either gonna be Kane or Foley to me. Like I don't like maybe. Maybe Sean, but probably not Sean. Um, I put him as like a third option, but I think it's either going to be Foley or Kane. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think Vince wants to do it. Uh, he might, but honestly, it could be anybody from Vince to Pritchard to Kane to Foley to Sean. To me, those are like the only five to me that could do it. Um, Jim Cornette did say in his uh, in his podcast, he goes, "What if it's Dutch Mantel?" <laughs> I don't. Not even as a joke, though. Like, what if it's Dutch Mantel? He's been a big aid of Undertaker's ever since WCW. It's true. It is true. But I. It could be Dutch Mantel, though. It could. What if it's? You know what? I'd be okay with it being Jim Ross. Yes, I would be Ross? okay with Jim Ross. Now I don't think it will be just because of his AEW. Ties, but what if it was? Yeah, I'd be so fine with that. I'd be good uh, with Jim it, it could be Paul Heyman too, because he was right beside Taker in WCW. It could be literally at this point. It, what we're talking, it literally could be anybody. Anybody who's alive has a chance of doing it. <laughs> really? Anybody uh, Anybody right uh, I Fuck man uh, But like in terms of like Legitimately like who it could be For me I can't narrow it down Any more than those five Like Sean, Kane, Foley Vince and Pritchard It could be one of those five to me Yeah I I don't know it's not gonna. It's not gonna be Zeb Coulter. It is Zeb not gonna Coulter. be. I don't know why I call him Zeb Coulter. Ironically enough, that's what his name went by for this WrestleMania. Yeah, it back. it will he not be right him. Swagger and Zeb Coulter, uh, uh, on Americans. But uh, I don't know. God. Between those five, who do you think it would? Be? Vince McMahon. I've really? always I've always thought it'd be Vince. Always. Always thought it'd be McMahon. I always thought it would. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was his character idea. Yes. If it's not, I always thought it would be a McMahon. 
if it's not Vince, it'd be Shane, or you know, it's some. Not gonna snap, and it wouldn't be Linda. No. In-ring match oh, was with Shane. Was with Shane in the tag match. That's right. So like Shane actually does play, play a you know, fairly prominent role in Taker's career. Um, would I be against it? Yes. Would I be mad at it if Shane walks out? Like if, if I'm in the arena, when I'm in the arena, and I hear here comes the money. I'm putting my I'm putting my stake on I'm putting my stake in Vince McMahon, but I could be wrong. But I'm I'm putting it in Vince. If it was Shane, I'd be like, huh. But I mean, would I be mad? No. But would I be annoyed? Probably. Um, do you think they're gonna do the whole thing in the ring, or do you think they're gonna do a setup on the stage? Because today's stage, as you know, is on the floor. There isn't actually like a stage stage. So do you think they're going to, or do you think they're just, just going to do their usual setup on the floor for the SmackDown stage, and then from 9 to 10 30, when they reset the shit, actually build a fucking stage with a ramp? Do you think they're going to do that? Or do you, like, how do you see the, not, not Taker's portion of it happening, but how do you see the actual one and a half hour post, you know, an hour and a half, Removed from a SmackDown in that same arena. How do you see that Hall of Fame playing out? Now, also, before you answer that question, if you've seen the map on TickPick, which I don't know if you have, because TickPick is a you know somewhat new site to you. If you go on TickPick tonight and look on their map, they have a map where the stage is a diagonal. It's a triangle that turns into a solid line. And the floor map is weird as fuck. It looks like the main floor section is just dedicated to the wrestling talent. And then the back half is going to be for the fans who have tickets on the floor for stacking. That's what it looks like. And then the ring, they turn into a diagonal. So the ring is no longer like square with the arena. It's turned into a diagonal. So it's almost like facing the corner. Of one of the sides of the arena, it's weird. So like, are, like, like it all depends. It all depends what they can do in that time frame of ending SmackDown and starting this. I mean, I. What's I, weird is like they, they claim they want to they want to compete with AEW Rampage, but Rampage goes from nine to ten. SmackDown's gonna go from seven to nine. The Hall of Fame's gonna go from ten thirty to midnight. So if they're not competing with Rampage, Rampage is gonna be on live. While they're resetting the arena. So, like, the idea that they're gonna compete with AEW is complete lunacy. Because they're, they're not. Like, they're, they're, the whole time Rampage is on, they're gonna be resetting their shit. But it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't really know how they're gonna do it. I mean, I hope, I, I know they have a plan in mind. I don't, I, I don't, I can't envision. <laughs> I can't, I, env- I have some sort of plan in mind. And if you look at the TikTok map, 
it's vastly different from what would be a SmackDown setup. So how do you get from a SmackDown setup to that in an hour and a half? I mean, I'm fairly intrigued. Yeah, I am intrigued to see how they pull this off because they don't have enough time to dismantle the ring and set up chairs for talent to come out there. Um, Are they going to have a red carpet? Like, is that how they're going to compete with AEW from nine to ten thirty? Are they going to have a red carpet? I don't know. On Peacock that you watch, like to to distract the viewers on TV from the whole setup, like. That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting. I want to because I, I, they don't have enough time to dismantle the ring and set up chairs for people because that's going to be too, too hectic for people coming in and already people they have the tickets to the SmackDown. I mean, like, what's going to happen? They already have the fans on the floor, exactly. Yeah, so you got to have all the people that work on SmackDown that night. Yeah. Shower in the locker room and throw on the tux and grab their kids and their wife. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, I just, I'm very interested in how this is going to happen. I am. Like, um, I mean, I'll be there live, so like. I'll send you videos directly. Yeah, you have to be you have to be my first hand you're gonna be my first hand account for everything. And we're gonna have a special episode afterwards. It's like a CNN reporter and I want a special episode afterwards so you can give me everything that you experienced there at the Hall of Fame and at WrestleMania, because you're going to WrestleMania with first hand knowledge. You're going to be like a CNN news anchor. You're going to be like, we're going live. Exactly. Aiden, who's there right now? Oh, they're doing anything. What do you have for us? And then it'll be like a 10 second delay of just silence, as you see on CNN, just a silence, and then just. <laughs> well, good evening, Black Thank you for that. I am here right now at the arena. Ah, <laughs> uh, fun you know, times. I'm that fucking little delay on their live camera. <laughs> but, uh,. I mean, it's, it's a bummer you can't be there to, like, do a live podcast, but, I mean, I'll send you uh, any and all insider footage I can as they're setting everything up. I think that's what's going to help me, um, knock on wood, not to sound self-centered. Jeez, dude, hang on. My hiccups are insane. Excuse me. Um, it would be really beneficial for me to be there live in the arena and uh, like like as they're setting everything up, like minute by minute and videotaping it and posting it on my Instagram and my TikTok. Because um, people are going to want to see how this Hall of Fame Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, really yeah. interested in this, yes. So like, no, I'll make that my mission. Like, as soon as my time goes off the air, I'll just be sitting in my seat. Just Yeah, I don't see it happening again. Dude, but like, Bret like, Hart in his 60s, that's one thing. Like, imagine somebody trying to take down Taker. It's just... <laughs> oh, like, my God. It's like, that's like throwing a grape at somebody instead of his fist. Yeah, like, yeah. 
not gonna happen. Anything well, um, yeah, a lot of fun things planned for the future. I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, what you're going to experience. I'm looking forward to um, our next series of matches to discuss your memories for these. And Are you content with his career at this point, or do you wish he would have done one final match to put a period on the career? Or are you content with the Boneyard being it? I am I am a selfish Undertaker fan. I will never say no to another Undertaker match. Um, I'm fine with do you the. Think the Boneyard was a fitting end. Or do you yes. Wish that one more? If, it, if that's his last one, it's fitting. How that how the thing ended, it's fitting. With the burial of AJ, with the fist in the air, with him riding off into the evening, it's a fit. It's a fitting uh, image of the end. If he chooses not to fight again, it's fitting. If he's happy with it, perfect. If, if he wants to end it in front of a crowd, um, I hope that it's as fitting for him and it's not. he doesn't want to keep chasing it again. Because as we saw on the last ride, as we saw on the last ride um, I don't want him to keep thinking he's got to do more. Um, so if he comes back for another one, I hope that is is fitting for him for a finale, for a final ending. I don't I don't want him to come back and feel like he did badly and he's got to come back again. I want him to have I want him to have the peace too. He deserves the peace. You essentially want him to have what he wanted, which was just that last match where he walks away, leaving everybody wanting more, and he's just like, "Motherfuckers, I still got it." Yeah. And I, I mean that, man, it can still happen. Like, it can. It can. You, it may. You have him go in the Hall of Fame, and you have him do his fucking little walkout in a suit on night one, and on night fucking two, you could be a Mania 34-esque match where he just hits all the big moves, old school, choke slam, tombstone, one, two, three, Hits the knee, hits the pyro, walks up the ramp, does the fist. That can do it. You can yeah. still, you know, leave them wanting more with that, you know, motherfucker, I still got it. Mm-hmm. You can still do it. It's just like, are they going to do it? And I feel like with this, like, them calling it the most stupendous WrestleMania, I feel like they have a plan that we don't know of. I think so, like, too. I feel like I feel like if Austin is going to return, it'll be night one. And then if they're going to do something with Taker, it'll be night two. So that way they can stay on this most stupendous, you know, night of WrestleMania. They had Austin working, they had Taker working, and then they had in the main event Rock and Roman title for title. That's the only way, to me, you can call this the most stupendous mania ever. Yeah. You have Austin working night one, Take your working night two, and you have the main event title for title. We already know the main event title for title. Yeah. Then you've Austin on night one and take her on night two. I could actually buy the headliner of stupendous. So, with that in mind, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe there is a plan afoot that we don't know about. And yeah. Maybe we're going to get a flare sort of style. Induction for Taker, which I I called a couple years ago. I was like, maybe we'll get a flare sort of style induction for Taker, where he gets inducted, and then two nights later he has his retirement match. Yeah, so you, you, you never know. Go into it 
knowing it's the end. Like for Flair, it was called a career-threatening match, but he had his whole thing speech where he was crying his fucking ass out like two nights before the match. So like, I mean, like, he knew it was the end. So I mean, you know, I think there's room for, especially if the whole thing is just on Taker alone. I think there's room to do a very special Taker, you know, finale. Mm-hmm. And what that finale looks like, I don't know, but it'll be a. Uh, It'll be pretty special to see. Yeah, so I think we cap off this episode, and we look forward to WrestleMania 30 next time we meet, and uh, looking forward to all the things to come in the future that we have planned here. As always, Eamon, I thank you for joining me here. I thank you for sharing your memories and your look back here at WrestleMania 29. Looking forward to WrestleMania 30. And as I close out here, as I say each and every time, Creatures of the Night, uh, thank you for joining me here as we talk about Undertaker merchandise, memories, and more. And until next time, same Taker time, same Taker channel, keep on rolling, baby. Peace. I keep rolling, 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 rolling. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling.